Let's put our hands together, people of hope. Good to see you. You are looking good. If we haven't met before, my name is Scott, and I get to be one of the pastors here that serves the senior pastor of this church. His name is Jesus, and we gather in his name, and he promises us. Here's the great thing about our senior pastor. He's here every week. He says, you get together in my name. I show up. I'm there with you. He doesn't go on vacation. He doesn't go to the Holy Land. No, actually, he is in the Holy Land at the same time. What a senior pastor. What a senior pastor. He is with you every day, helping you. You confess your sins to him, thank God. Not to me, thank God. And he has the ability to wash your sins away. That's pretty good. So welcome, welcome, welcome to a place called, yeah, let's give, let's give our senior pastor a hand. Love you. Love you, Jesus. Please, if you have not been baptized, get baptized next weekend. Please sign up for that. If you have friends that don't know Jesus yet, bring them to Christ this week and get them baptized next weekend. The Bible says believe and be baptized. A gra- uh, baptism is not a graduation from spiritual level. It's an initiation. It's a starting point for your faith. So don't let anything hold you back. You believe in Jesus, be baptized next weekend. We're going to open the Bible. We're going to open up the Word of God, the book of blessing, the life instruction book to the book of James. We're studying in a current series through this beautiful letter written to us by the half-brother of Jesus. He literally grew up in Jesus' home and household and yet never received Jesus. Imagine being that close to Jesus but not following Jesus until he encountered the resurrection. And every person on the planet should be confronted with the truth of the resurrection. If Jesus rose from the dead, you got to follow him. James came in touch with that. James encountered the resurrected Jesus. He became a passionate follower of Jesus. And he became the leader in the church in Jerusalem. And he writes this little book called James. It's a very, very practical book about practical living. We're in the third chapter. The first part of the chapter that we studied last week is about your words, watching your words, the power of language, how your words set a direction for your life. Remember, like the rudder of a ship, the Bible says, or the the bit that's in a horse's mouth, it directs you. And then the latter part of the chapter talks about the power of wisdom. Is there anyone in the house that needs wisdom? All of us. Now, the two subjects that are discussed in chapter 3 are introduced in chapter 1, including this incredible promise that we're going to talk about today, that when you lack wisdom, when you come to a point of need, when you find yourself in a tough time, a hard place, or you just have to make some decisions, you have this promise from the Heavenly Father that he will download his wisdom, which is the best wisdom, he will download his wisdom into your heart. Here's what it says. If any of you lack wisdom, can I get a witness in the house? All of us, I, I, If that's not today, that'll be tomorrow. Or by Tuesday for sure. If any of you lack wisdom, you can ask God. 
And he's going to give it to you, and he's going to give it to you generously. He's not holding it back. He wants to be giving direction, downloading wisdom into your life. And it's so important that you come to God, because if you don't download wisdom from above, you are getting down low wisdom from below. Your choice. Down low, duh. Or down low. Download from above or down low. He introduces a subject in chapter 3 and verse 13. He says, okay, let me just begin the subject. I want to unpack the power of wisdom in your life. And he says, uh, who is wise and understanding among you? You want to discern who is wise in the fellowship. Who has some wisdom? Here's how it is shown. And here, James is huge on this. That our belief and our conduct, our words and our work go hand in hand. So if you want to see if someone is wise, they just don't say, I graduated from blank school. That's not a real school, but blank school. What a fill in the blank. It's shown in the conduct of their life. It's shown in the way that they live their life. It's shown in the works of their hands, and it's guided by, watch this, by a meekness of wisdom. There is a pride that can come in secular wisdom. Look at me. I'm so smart. And a lot of people that think they're so smart aren't. You so dumb. And, and James is going to sort that out in this chapter. I would like you not to be in the you so dumb part. I'd like you to be in the meek wisdom, not puffed up with pride, but in a meekness of wisdom. So he begins by talking about the down low wisdom, wisdom that comes from this world. He calls it, we call it false wisdom, or he calls it earthly wisdom. He calls it unspiritual wisdom, and he, he actually calls it demonic wisdom. Did you know, you know people on the planet that are tapped in to demonic wisdom. You go, no, really? Well, let's unpack it. Let's see what James says about it. But, he says, if you're not part of the meek wisdom, but there's a down low kind of wisdom, but if you have, and if you have a pen and you're taking some notes, circle some of the markers of down low wisdom, and if you take notes, what will happen? Bigger mansion in heaven. <laughs> some, you, when you get to heaven, you're going to thank me for that truth. Not, not many people know that, but... So just note a few of the markers of down-low wisdom. Uh, if you have bitter jealousy, that's a marker of down-low wisdom. Selfish ambition, that's a marker of down-low wisdom. Do not boast and be false to the truth. Verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes from down. This is the wisdom that comes from down-low, but not from above. What is it? It's earthly. It's unspiritual, and it's demonic. Okay, let's avoid that, okay? Let's just avoid that. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition, again, he repeats that, jealousy, selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder or confusion and every vile or evil practice. So here are the markers of false wisdom, or down low wisdom, number one, he says, there will be bitter jealousy. So do an analysis of your own life and also just analyze the people that you're looking to for wisdom. 
because you could be tapped into the wrong source. Bitter, wisdom, bitter jealousy is uh, the desire of a person's life to want what someone else has. I see what you have. I don't yet have it in my life, and I'm jealous for it. And if you meditate on it long enough, it can bring you to bitterness. And it actually is just saying, I don't have what you have right now in my life, so I'm not really trusting God that he's given me what I need when I need it, which is not trusting God. I would like what you have, even though I don't have it yet. I don't trust that God has given it to me, so I want it. Jealousy is a lack of trust in God, because God will give you what you need when you need it. I'm going to say it again. So you don't have it. So I don't trust you, God, because I don't have it. But God will give you exactly what you need, when you need it, and if he hasn't given it to you, it's probably because you don't trust him. So, so the very, I don't trust you, God. So God says, yeah, that's right. And because you don't trust me, I can't give it to you. But when you need it, it will arrive. Trust God's timing instead of your desires. We are bombarded with human desires. Open up a magazine and they go, you don't got it. You don't got it. Pop-ups on your phone, you don't got it. You, don't, you need it, you don't got it. They say, hey, I'll get it when God gives it to me. It will come when I need it. Jealousy can be of a person, of a position. In the Hebrew scriptures, there's a story of Saul who was the first king of the Hebrews. He was like the George Washington of those people. And he was a very popular, because the first is always, he was popular, they loved him, until a young guy named David came along. And what did David do? He killed Goliath. And then people started to sing songs. They got on the, the, the radio station. And it said, uh, here's how the song went. Saul, he's a good king. He killed his thousands. But David, he's a man. He killed the tens of thousands. It was a little more jazzy to him than that, but you get the idea. Saul hears the song. And he becomes jealous. David has something, an accomplishment he doesn't have. God hasn't provided it for him. Basically because he wouldn't go out and face Goliath. Think about that. So he begins jealous, and jealousy led him to bitterness, and bitterness led him to a decision that he would kill David. You know it's too far when you get that thought. I'm so jealous of you, I'm going to kill you. Because the kings in that day could do anything they wanted. Killing was part of their agenda. And so he's going to kill. Now David hears of the plan, so David gets out of town. Wise guy. He's got some wisdom, I guess. He leaves town. He leaves hands with his friends. He has 600 friends. He's riding deep posse. He's got a lot of guys with him. 600 guys are with him. They're going to protect him. David will protect you. So what does the king do? He gets an army of 3,000, which is much bigger than 600. And he pursues David in a jealous rage. He wants to murder him. David is down in the southern part of the Holy Land. We were there just a few days ago. It's mountainous. There's all kinds of caves that dot the hillside. And David gets aware that the 3,000 soldiers are coming along. They're right behind him. So he says, guys, we've got to hide out. We're going to go into a cave. We'll wait until the 3,000 have gone by with Saul, and then we'll escape. 
So it must have been a big cave because he took 600 guys in there. Or maybe they went into different caves. But they were hiding. The very cave that David was in, though, when the 3,000 warriors came along following the king, right at the very spot that David was hiding, the king had an urge. Got to go. It's in the Bible. He had an ur- it's in the Bible. I, maybe God gave it to him. I'm not sure, but it happened. So he, the whole, oh, stop. The king has to go. It like echoes back. King has to go. The 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 king has to go. Okay. That's why we're stopping. The king says, okay, I'm going to go by myself. Which is a good plan. He goes, he goes into the very cave that David is in. So now it's David and his men, all of them, and one king in a vulnerable position. (laughs) Could I say it? Could I say it? Caught with his pants down. (laughs) Not the best warrior position. And the guys are saying, David, get him. This is your chance. But watch this. David was not jealous of the king's position because he was waiting for God's timing. He respected the anointing. He said, I'm not going to kill him. That's not my position. I've been anointed to be king, but I'm going to wait for God's timing. See, that, that, that's wisdom. That diminishes jealousy. So he just creeps over and he cuts off a little piece of the king's jacket, his outer coat. He waits till the king finishes and goes outside. He's a little bit away from the cave. And then David emerges from the king, the, the cave and he holds up a piece of Saul's clothing and says, See, I could have killed you, but I respect you. I'm not jealous of your position, king. You are the one that's appointed and anointed by God. In due season, I'll be sitting in that seat, but I'm not worried about that right now. And the king says, You are a much more righteous man than I am. Jealousy causes people to do stupid things. Bitter jealousy is a marker of down low wisdom. He says selfish ambition is a marker of down low wisdom. These are the people that use other people. They're not trying to help others. They will step on your back. They just are interested in themselves. They are not loving people. They are users. Tough people to have a relationship with. Probably impossible. Because the ego of their life overwhelms everything. They are the ones that if they have an accomplishment, they let you know. They take credit for it. In fact, they not only take credit for their accomplishments, they take credit for your accomplishments and claim them as their own. Selfish ambition. They're constantly driven by a, uh, an analysis that is checking out how am, I, how am I doing compared to other people? How am I doing horizontally? They're very lonely people because there's always somebody that's doing a little bit better than you. You can always like find them and they can, oh, it's frustrating. These are the people that always have to win an argument. They will burn a friendship to win an argument. They will damage a love relationship to win. They will over because they just are selfishly ambitious. Remember in Mark chapter 10 where Jesus has a couple of disciples who are selfishly ambitious. And they say, Jesus, James and John are their names. They come to Jesus and say, I've got an idea, Jesus. 
great idea when you come into the kingdom, when you're in charge of everything. Uh, here's the plan. One of us will sit on your right-hand side, and one of them will sit on the left-hand side. And Jesus says, that is such a bad plan. That is a selfishly ambitious plan. Selfishly ambitious people want position. And Jesus says, you know what the best position is? At someone's feet with a towel and a basin. He says in that story, you guys don't even know what you're asking for. The greatest among you is your servant. Here's what down low wisdom does. It separates relationships. Selfishly ambitious people are pushing relationships away. Bitter jealousy pushes people away. The third thing he says is that down low wisdom is full of disorder and confusion. The Greek word means unstable. It's like, it's like people that are constantly living in an earthquake. Which means when you are looking for people to share wisdom with you, and that's appropriate, don't choose people whose lives are in disorder. That's, that wor their world is a mess. The other thing it tells us is that real wisdom stands the test of time. Down low wisdom is shaky and falls over. That's what the Greek word means, unable to stand. It falls over. So when you have an idea that you think is wisdom, give it some time to mature and just say, does that idea, does that wisdom, does that idea, does it stand the test of time? Or is it filled with disorder, unstable, and falls over? And then he says, lastly, the marker of down low wisdom is that it's just filled with evil practices. Now, this is really important because there are all kinds of people in the world that are purporting wisdom. They're on the Internet. They're in books. And what James is teaching us is that you just don't look at the words they say. You look at the life behind the words. Well, I heard so-and-so say on TV. But when they're living in evil practices, it's down low wisdom. It may make sense. It may go, wow. If you want to define, I'll give you just a simple definition for evil practices. Let's just, just take the Ten Commandments. If they're breaking those, that's not good. That's not godly wisdom. It's down low wisdom. It's wisdom that leads people to justify evil practices. And if that's the kind of wisdom you're looking for, he says, that is, that's down low and it will damage you. And you all have the ability to avoid that, which he's calling us to, and to look up instead of looking down, because down low wisdom will actually lead you down low. Then he says, in verse 17, there is another kind of wisdom. A wisdom I would like you to download from chapter 1 and verse 5. Download, ask for this kind of wisdom. And he gives us the markers of wisdom that comes from heaven. Wisdom that comes from the heart of God. Wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. But, so it's a transition, but, not that down low wisdom now, but the wisdom from above. So how many would like to tap into the wisdom from above? Me too. The wisdom that comes from God, and then here are the markers. You can circle them, you can number them, you can point them out. Pure, first pure. Now the word first means of primary importance. It's first in the list because the first thing that wisdom does is produce purity. It's contrasted to the last thing he talked about, 
of evil practices. There is a wisdom of this world that leads to evil practices, the breaking of God's heart. And there's a wisdom that brings a delight to God's heart. And God is holy and he calls us purity. Then peaceable. Then gentle. Then open to reason. Then full of mercy and good fruits. Then impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Here are the markers of wisdom from above. Primary, first of all, purity. Holiness is the idea here. So what happens is when we start looking to God for wisdom, we start to see how holy God is, that's wisdom, how pure God is, and how our lives are so far away from God. Here's what Jesus says, all have sinned through the Romans, all have sinned, and all of us fall short. So the first thing of wisdom is to say, God is here, all of us are way down here somewhere, and wisdom brings you to the point of understanding you need a Savior. And who's come to do that? Jesus Christ. He has come to take you from where you are to where God is. He does it by his purity, by his righteousness, by what he does on the cross. When he absorbed all of your sin, all of your shame, he paid for everything. And he brings you into a right relationship with God so that you can be pure of heart. And then as you walk with Jesus longer and longer and longer, actually your ethics get better. You're not saved by your ethics, but literally, wisdom makes your ethics better. Literally, wisdom makes your morality better. Because the one who is pure is living in your heart. So he's pulling you forward. The mark of wisdom, the conduct of wisdom is purity. It's becoming more like Jesus, not less like Jesus. Purity of heart and purity of lifestyle. The second marker of wisdom is peace, peaceable. Wise people live in the shalom of God. An unwise house is full of anger, lots of conflict. You get that from the the down low wisdom? There's disorder, there's confusion, there's lots of harsh words, there's lots of I've got to win. The wisdom of God, first of all, produces a peace with God. So that we know we are in right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So we have peace with God, peace with our creator. And because we have peace with God, we can have peace with the people around us. Your home should be a peaceful place if you are downloading wisdom regularly. And if you're not, I'm just saying, you've been getting your wisdom from the wrong place. Oprah may not be helping you that much. There, I said it. I've bit my tongue all the time, but so you do analysis of your home. Is it peaceful or not? Downloaded wisdom produces a peaceful lifestyle in, uh, in your own heart, in your home, in your church. A w- people of wisdom have a church that is peaceful. Everybody's not at each other's throats. I work with a lot of churches in Florida, I, 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 over 350 churches that uh, I work with, and not all of them are peaceful churches. You know why? Because somewhere along the line, they've tapped into down-low wisdom. I think, I think we should. It's selfish ambition. It's not guided by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is flowing, he is the oil that reduces friction. 
Just like the oil that's in your car. Take all the oil out of your car, try driving home. It's going to smoke and grind and you probably won't get very far. But the oil of the Holy Spirit brings peace. He lubricates. So there's a peacefulness that comes. And the wisdom of God brings peace to an individual, to a home, to a church, to a community, to a nation. Wisdom. Peaceable wisdom. The third thing he says is it's gentle. Just like Jesus. Jesus was very gentle on broken people. Very gentle. The only people that Jesus was hard on was people that were hard-hearted, and he did it to try to shock their hard hearts, to try to break a crack in their hard hearts because he knew that they needed grace. But we, when we talk, should be gentle. When you have a fight, do it gently. Come on, all you married people, you're looking at me like, we don't fight, no, we know, that must be... When you, if we, if, when you move out of the gentle realm into the anger realm, communication has stopped and probably some of that demonic wisdom has crept in. I just dropped a bomb right there. Wisdom is gentle. You can disagree with someone gently. You can. It's okay. It's actually okay if you, there are certain things in my life, if you don't agree with me on, I'm still your friend. We've come to a place in our culture and society that if we don't agree, you're like the immortal enemy. It's like a blood sport. It's not wise. It's not good. Not good for the nation. You should be able to disagree gently. Disagree agreeably. It's my call. There's my, there's my statement on that. Open to reason. Wisdom is open to reason, which means that when you ask for wisdom, however you pray, if you're kneeling down to pray, if you're standing up to pray, if you're sitting down to pray, when you pray and say, oh God, I need you to talk to me. I need you to give me some answers. When you ask for answers, ask really good questions. When you're in a tough place, ask good questions. Don't ask, why, God, why is this happening to me? Why? That's not a good question. Ask what can I learn? Ask how can I grow? Ask how can I be a blessing? Ask good questions. But ask. Download. You have the ability. Here's a beautiful gift God invites you. You can ask for wisdom. You can download wisdom. So when you ask for it, don't just get up. When you, Lord, please give me wisdom. Don't just get up and keep thinking the way you thought when you knelt down. Because you didn't get anything. It's not just the prayer. It's the answer to the prayer. When you ask for wisdom, God is trying to give it to you, but you have to listen. So when you're down there, stay down. A little bit. Maybe open your Bible. Because the Word of God is the will of God. And by opening the Bible, opening the Scriptures, you'll have an insight. God is trying to reason with you. And wisdom is to pause in that moment and be open to the reasoning of God. God would like to change your point of view. God would like to change your worldview. He does that by encountering you as he instructs us with the prophet, come let us reason together. And it's wise to be open to that reason. Reading the word, praying, asking for the, the intuition of the Holy Spirit, that voice of the Holy Spirit that speaks to us. 
to guide you. Not every decision you make is in the Bible. Not every point of wisdom is in the Bible. Like So, so if you're ta- praying about two jobs, there's not a verse in the Bible to tell you work at Publix. If you find it, let me know. I haven't found it. You go Google Publix and Bible. You're not going to find it. Do I want to work at the hospital or do I want to work at Publix? I don't know. So pray. Ask for wisdom. Pause. And let me refer back to number two, peaceful. I think the peace of Christ will guide your heart. So when you think about Publix, is there greater peace? Or when you think about the hospital, which one is more peaceable? Which one gives you a greater sense of peace? That's wisdom for you to walk into the area that brings the most peace. But be open to the reasoning of God. Because he promises he'll give it to you. He promises he'll download it. He promises he'll do it generously. He's not going, oh, I don't have enough wisdom today. He gives generously. And he will talk to you about your circumstance. He wants you to be open to reason. He wants you to be full of mercy and goodness. Wisdom causes you to grow in both of these areas. How many agree God is good? And Because God is good, we should be good. As we walk in wisdom, we become, as the good old boy says, gooder and gooder. There's a growth. You see purity, there's a growth. And as you walk in wisdom, I would like when people say, well, what kind of people go to the Church of Hope? I hope they say good people or bad people that are getting better. There's a growth. As you walk in wisdom, you walk in the goodness of God. You walk in the mercy of God. And how many are glad for the mercy of God? You need it. Mercy is God giving you another chance. Giving you another chance. And when he gives you another chance, it's wisdom for you to be gracious and gentle and giving other people another chance. That's wisdom. It's mercy and it's goodness. Isn't it interesting that the psalmist hit on this when he said, Psalm 23, that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Same concept. They're with us. And then lastly, he says this, that real mark of wisdom is is sincerity and security. The very word in the Greek language means to be anti-hypocritical or unhypocritical. And it's interesting that we, we all don't like hypocrisy, but we all put up with it in ourselves. We're hardest on hypocrisy when it's in someone else. But we all have this image that we project, the image that we think people want to see. And when wisdom is working in your heart, when you are downloading wisdom, you're going to come to a point where you take off the mask and you are the person that God created you to be and you live at peace with that because the world desperately needs the person you are, not the person you project to be. I'm going to say that again. The world desperately needs the person you are, not the person you project to be. And real wisdom is to take off that mask to live as a real person and to walk in sincerity and walk in security. Where he brings you into his family, he wraps his arms around you, and he causes you to be secure in his hands. Not only today, but as you move forward. The thing we call you to is to walk with Jesus. Real wisdom is to walk in the security that God loves you absolutely like you are with all of your issues, God loves you exactly like you are, and he loves you enough not to leave you that way. He's moving you forward. So here's your decision. Downloading wisdom, James 1.5. Asking for wisdom. 
And if you're not doing that on a regular basis, you're making your decision, you're finding wisdom somewhere, and you're finding it from down low, which he calls earthly, unspiritual, and at the worst, demonic. For sure, you know some people that have been influenced by demonic wisdom. They're on the planet. He addresses it. Because they're bitter, they're selfishly ambitious, that's all the fuel that comes from darkness. So he's calling us to say, hey, here's a great gift that God gives you. You can download wisdom. When you need to make a decision, you can ask for it. If any of you lacks wisdom, and if you don't lack it today, you'll lack it tomorrow. There's going to be a point this week. I just Could you imagine a group of people that were downloading God's wisdom every day? Can you imagine just being with a group of people that were just downloading God's wisdom and living in God's wisdom? More peace, more purity, more power, more gentleness, just more, more, more of that. It would be incredible. Now James writes this to us, but James also practiced this. Just pointed out a place in his life where he practiced it. He was the pastor of Jerusalem. And the other churches of that area looked to Jerusalem. And they had a conflict. Even the first church had conflict. They had a conflict. They had this discussion, this debate. What about people that are not Jewish, but they're loving Jesus? And there was a lot of them. By the time you get to the 15th chapter of Acts, there's a lot of these non-Jewish people loving Jesus. And the big question, big question they had to decide was, do people need to become Jewish to love Jesus? And they didn't know. So what did they do? They got everybody together. They asked God for wisdom. Lord, we need wisdom. They searched the scriptures. They read the law of Moses. How much of this law applies to people who are not Jewish? They talked with each other. They sought wisdom from good godly people, not from the internet. Good godly people. And then they came out with this statement. Here's what You can read it in Acts 15. Hey, we don't want to make it hard for people to come to Jesus. Wow, that was a good one. That, we don't want to make it hard for people to come to Jesus. All right, that's wisdom right there. We want them to practice spiritual sexuality. What's that? Your sexuality is submitted to the Spirit of God. So we don't want immorality. We would like there to be morality in the church. How many of you agree that's probably good? No adultery. Yeah, that's not good. We would, like there, we would like there to be, um, we don't want people to worship idols. How many of you agree with that? Well, they're not making it hard. Have your sexuality submitted to the spirit, no idols. And then when you prepare your food, Moses has some good rules for health. It was about how you handled meat and health. And we think that would be good for our non-Jewish people. But other than that, they can follow Jesus. They don't need to become Jewish. They can follow Jesus. And aren't you glad they decided that? So that you can eat bacon. <laughs> we were in the Holy Land. We were in the Holy Land. Someone asked for an omelet, one of our team. Uh, what kind of omelet would you like? Bacon, uh, ham and eggs? No, ham and cheese. And they said, you can't get that kind here. Okay. But the early church sought wisdom. God gave them wisdom, and it's been a blessing on the planet. Wherever the wisdom of God flourishes, a community flourishes. Faith flourishes. Love flourishes. And God would like that to flourish in this place, and we want to be a part of that. 
So we want to call you, of course, to the one who gives wisdom. His name is Jesus. We want you to have a relationship with Jesus or to renew a relationship with Jesus. He's the one that is the source of this wisdom. When we bow to pray and we say, Lord, I need wisdom, we're looking to the Lord to give us that wisdom. And he wants to be in our hearts to be speaking to us. So here's an invitation. We're going to close our eyes. We're going to open our hearts. And I want you just to consider how is your relationship with Jesus today? Is it good? Do you have one? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then I invite you to begin that relationship today. Start a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to be good enough. He loves you just like you are. He took Peter and James and John when they were a mess. He just took them into his family. And he takes you into his family. And he will make you more than you could ever make yourself. How is your relationship with Jesus? Some of you had a relationship with Jesus. But it's kind of cold. It's kind of stale. It's kind of old. And today you need to renew that relationship with Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, as the one who walks with you, as the one you want to please, the one you want to serve. That's why we call him Lord, because we serve him. So here's my prayer I'm going to offer in a moment. I'd like you to be included. For those that need to begin a relationship with Jesus, those who need to renew a relationship with Jesus because it's grown cold, I'd like to include you in that prayer. And I'm going to ask you to let me know that you're being included in that prayer by just... In a moment, nobody else looking around, just me. Put your hand up high enough for me to see it. And because I don't want to miss you, also raise your eyes until we make eye contact. And I can acknowledge you and say, Scott, I'd like to be included in that prayer. I want Jesus to be my Savior. I want him to be my Lord. I want to make sure heaven is my home. I want to make sure I'm living in the grace of Jesus. How many today in this service would say, that's me. I want to be included in that prayer in this moment. Thank you very much. I'm glad you're here. Who else would just say, yeah, wait, wait, thank you. Thanks, wave at the back. I see you guys way back there. Thanks for being in church today. Appreciate you. God loves you just like you are. Way over here, thanks. Glad you're here. Just things right with Jesus. It's the most important thing of the day. Not, not with this church, not with me, but just in right relationship with Jesus. Who else to say? Yeah, see, see, let me see your eyes. Just want to acknowledge you matter to God, man. And uh, sometimes when you consider the weight of sin, it brings shame. But the Bible says this, no condemnation to those who are in Christ. As Christ calls you forward, I need to renew that. I saw your hand. I didn't want to make sure I met you. I saw it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Come over on this side just to say, hey, thank you. God, I'm glad you're here today. You matter to God and you matter to us. Way over here saying, thank you. Thank you very much. I see you. You matter to God. You matter to us. And he wants, he wants to have a relationship with you more than you want to have a relationship with him. And I see, I see both of you. All right. He wants, the, he wants that with you. Yeah, it's looking around a little bit longer. Hey, didn't see. Thank you. Thank you for waiting for me to come to you. You matter to God and you matter to us. The relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing for you. It's, I'm not asking you to join a church or even to join a religion. I'm asking you to renew a relationship or to start a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And he wants that for you. Anyone else? I don't want to, I want to miss anybody. Those that have put their hand up, thank you so much. I'm going to pray. Hey, way back here. Thanks. Sorry, the lights are a little bit. Yeah, see you right there. I want to acknowledge you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. You're, man, you got your hand up high. Yeah, you're mean business today. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Love you. And behind you, yeah, see that too. Thank you very much. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. We're going to pray, okay? As we pray, let's stand together. Can we do that, everyone? And I'm going to invite our prayer team to come uh, to the front right away and pray with me as we all close our eyes. Everyone, open your hearts. And the Bible says, believe in your heart who Jesus Christ is and confess with your mouth 
and a miracle will take place, and we are praying for the miracle power of God that changes the human soul. I can't change it, but Jesus can. Here's our prayer that we offer together. Please, 100% of us praying this prayer. Whether you raised your hand or didn't, out loud we say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I repent of my sins, and I leave them behind. And I turn towards you, Lord, to receive your grace, your forgiveness, your love, your mercy. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Help me to follow Jesus as a Christian every day. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 amen. Yes, we affirm that. That's a great prayer. Thank you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Keep bringing your friends, keep inviting them so we can pray with them in future services. Now, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time or for the first time in a long time, a few things we'd like you to do. One is you can, you can, you can start out, we'll send you a free ebook just by texting the word yes to 941-260-1321. Just yes. I'm saying yes to Jesus. We'll start a conversation with you just to help you. We'd also like you to pray with our team today that they could confirm what God is doing in your heart. And if you're starting a relationship with Jesus, renewing a relationship with Jesus, come, pray with them. Also, whatever need you have, you come here, the Lord has spoken to your heart, the Lord is saying, hey, I'd like to minister to you in this area, receive prayer. The Bible says where two or three people come together in agreement, miracles take place. And we believe there's a miracle in the room, we believe it has your name on it. And we would like to agree with you. We'd like to release the power of agreement prayer. So our team is here to pray with you. They minister in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They don't have the answers, but they call on Jesus' name and the Holy Spirit comes. And we'd like to pray for you and let the Holy Spirit work. While prayer is being received and prayer is being offered, if you would like to receive Holy Communion today and fellowship with Jesus through the bread and the cup of the Lord, you are welcome. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive prayer or communion, just a friend, a follower of Jesus. And uh, as you take the bread and the cup, we just ask you to do what Jesus asked. Remember Jesus. Remember that he loves you. Remember that he died on the cross for your sins. Remember that he was buried, but he didn't stay in the tomb. He rose on the third day, and he's in this service right here. He is the senior pastor of our church, and he's going to walk out those doors. I'm going to go somewhere else today. I'm going to be in Dallas. I'm going to bed in Dallas tonight. But our senior pastor is going to go with you. And he's going to walk with you. And he's going to talk with you. And yeah, celebrate that. Just living relationship. If you've been a guest here today, thank you so much for coming. And uh, if you've been here for a while, if, if, if you've never stopped by the VIP room, you're new to the fellowship and never made it yet, today's your day. Please stop by. It's back on the left-hand side. We want to gift you. We want to greet you, ask, answer any questions. Stop by that room. I'm going to pray a prayer. And after this prayer, there's no other benediction. The worship team will start worshiping. You can join them in worship. You can come and receive prayer. You can receive communion. You can go with the grace of God. But make sure as you go, you take the name of Jesus with you. And you follow Jesus every day in Jesus' name. So, Lord, I just pray for your blessing on your sons and your daughters that are here. People you love. People I love. I just pray, Lord, that you will fill them with your wisdom. Maybe we'd be quick to look to you, to download wisdom from heaven, from above, to have more purity in our life and more peace in our life and 
more gentleness in our lives. Fill us with your wisdom, we pray, decisions we have to make. I pray that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in God so that you will overflow with peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you in the strong, mighty, and majestic name of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, you are very blessed. And everybody says together, amen. Just give the Lord an ovation. Thank you. We love you guys. Thank you for being at church. Please come forward for prayer, for communion, for ministry, worship team. Just lift up the name of the Lord.